This is Digital Health Today, Episode 2. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Now, here is your host, Dan Kendall. Yes, here I am. Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Health Today podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. I have just a few things to mention before we jump into the podcast itself. Have you visited our website yet and joined our mailing list? If not, you are missing out on updates, offers, and valuable resources provided by our guests and members of the digital health community. Please take just a minute to visit our website and subscribe to receive updates. In fact, Right now, we're running a drawing for a set of six books on innovation, healthcare, and entrepreneurship. You can see all the titles there on the homepage when you click to subscribe to the newsletter. These are some of the books that have been recommended by our guests, and in total, they're worth about 100 bucks. We'll be drawing one lucky winner to receive the set of all six books at the end of this month, so get on there and subscribe. I'll have those shipped to your home or your office, or of course, if you prefer, I can get the digital copies as well. This is a podcast about technology, after all, so I'm glad to assist with the adoption of digital books. Also, if you enjoy this free podcast, please show your support by heading over to digitalhealthtoday.com and clicking to subscribe in iTunes. This will take you over to iTunes where you can leave a rating and a review. After you've left a review, I would love to send you a small thank you gift by mail to recognize your support for the show and for the digital health community. Head on over to digitalhealthtoday.com slash review for details on how to arrange delivery so I can get you your free gift. And finally, do you have a solution, project, or program that would be of interest to our audience? Or maybe you know of someone who does? Either way, please take a minute to visit our website and let me know. Fill out the form on the contact page or click on the Refer a Guest button and a member of our team will be in touch. You can also email me directly at host at digitalhealthtoday.com. Now let's start the show. Today, I've got a great guest for you. I'm speaking with Amin Zayani. He is the CEO and founder of MedAngel, which is providing a brand new solution to help protect your medicine and your peace of mind. Amin was already an experienced innovator and developer working with sensors and other sectors before he turned his attention to solving problems in the healthcare space. Amin and I spoke while he was at his home in Berlin, Germany, when he was in the middle of moving back after his six months that he spent at the Rockstart Health Accelerator in Nijmegen in the Netherlands. Amin dropped some great tips and insights into his experience developing a technology to address a need he spotted while maintaining his own health. In addition, Amin has also created a special offer for our listeners, that's you, so you can find details on that in the show notes. You can go to digitalhealthtoday.com slash two, that's the number, two, and you can find the special offer that he has for you there. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive into the discussion with entrepreneur, CEO, and founder of MedAngel, Amin Zayani. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure is mine. I've already explained to listeners a little bit about your background and your role now at MedAngel. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I come from uh, Tunisia. It's a beautiful country in North Africa. I studied uh, solar energy in Germany and by accident fell into the scene of hardware startups in Berlin. That was the last five or six years. And and now, by another accident, I became a digital health entrepreneur. That's because uh, I have type 1 diabetes for 10 years now, and there was a problem bothering me a lot. And I decided to do something about it, and this is how MedAngel was born. Before we get into the details of the, of the company, you mentioned that you're a type 1 diabetic. Tell me how it is that you had the idea and the problem that you were facing as a patient. Well, as I said, I come from Tunisia. 
it was always, let's say, not a problem, but a challenge in the back of my head to keep the insulin at a temperature that's not too hot or too cold. Until one day, two years ago, I was unlucky to use insulin that was spoiled. I woke up and I took a shot and it didn't work. And then I took a new pen from the fridge, uh, took another shot and it didn't work. And I put a thermometer in the fridge and I realized, hey, this fridge is too warm to keep insulin. It was 12 degrees. Uh, that's four degrees higher than the upper uh, safe temperature, eight degrees. So it was quite frustrating because you think you put it in, in, a, in a safe environment, your domestic fridge, and your, let's say, the, your perception is that uh, you're keeping it safely, but uh, actually you're not. There even, there's even a new study uh, by the University of Utrecht and the St. Martin Clinic in the Netherlands, and they just proved that 93% of patients store their medications at the wrong temperature in the domestic fridge. So all of these things I didn't know, but what I knew is that it was very frustrating. And I thought, hey, I work with sensors every day. I know the solution to this problem is straightforward temperature sensor with the insulin. And if it starts to get hot or, hot or cold, I, get, I should get an alarm. And this is how it all started. And I built a prototype. And I never really thought of it as a business or a full-time occupation. It was uh, more like a side project to solve my own problem. And slowly I realized that, hey, this is a, a huge problem. Millions of people around the world have it. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Now, you had this problem with your, your own insulin. Uh, there are obviously lots of medications that need to be kept within a specific temperature range. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So there are. Um, so it's really funny. In 2014, one third of all new, newly approved drugs uh, are temperature sensitive. One third. So that's the biologics, the hormones, uh, basically every protein. So diabetes is, let's say, uh, a market we understand very well. It's uh, people carry insulin around with them all day. But there are other, other conditions like rheuma or Crohn or all, in, um, let's say, MS or inflammatory bowel disease, where they require regular uh, shots, so once a week or once every two weeks, but they're extremely expensive. They're $1,000 per, per shot. And when you travel around with them, you don't want to take any risk. You, you went about solving this problem. Did you first look at the market to see if there was anything available that you could buy from Amazon or from your pharmacy? Oh, yeah. I, I looked for existing solutions and I was really not satisfied. You had the mercury, let's say, uh, traditional thermometers. These are very static. They don't alert. They're very passive. Uh, they don't solve the problem. Then there are the cheap temperature sensors of eBay or Amazon, and these are way too unreliable to be used for this use case. And then you have the complete other end, what the professionals use. So what DHL, FedEx use for their thermocontrolled shipments, or what the pharmacists use in hospitals. And these are way too expensive. We're talking north of $1,000 and uh, um, completely un, uh, undesigned for being used by users. So they're made for professionals. They integrate with industrial systems. So there was a huge gap. Basically, there was no solution on the market. So you, you looked to try to buy one and, and solve the problem that you had. You couldn't find anything. And because of your background, you decided to go ahead and, and develop one yourself. That's fantastic. Now, that was about two years ago, so early 2014? Yeah, summer 2014. And how has your thought process evolved around it? You mentioned that you said it was just a prototype. You didn't think of it as a business. What yeah. made you begin to think about it as a, as a viable business opportunity for yourself? 
I made one very bulky and uh, let's say ugly device for me and one for my brother. And I started uh, showing it around and talking about it to other people who have diabetes. And everyone was saying, hey, I have this problem. I need one of these. And the two became 10 and then the 10 became 50. And then I thought, hmm, this is a nice little crowdfunding project. So I went to see my best friend, who's a, who's a very talented designer and filmmaker. And we made a nice video. We put it on Indiegogo. We didn't reach the funding goal, but the resonance we got and the, uh, the feedback showed us that, hey, there is real potential here. This is not just uh, a crowdfunding project. And even though it didn't succeed, I was confident that, hey, there is the potential here to, to make this on a, on a large scale, to have it in um, every CVS, every Walgreen, every pharmacy, because, hey, so many people need it and it's a real need. When did you quit your job and focus full time on this? Uh, I didn't do that straight away. I kept my job uh, on the site for six months. I disclosed to my boss what I was working on and he encouraged me and said, hey, do this uh, in the evenings, on weekends, and uh, be happy to help you and support you with advice. And then the point came when, when the real leads came. So the real industry leads, the real investment leads. This is when I, I thought, okay, now is the time to, to do this full time, to extend the team. And the funny thing is that I didn't have any safety net in the material or financial terms at all. So I put all my savings in it, uh, got a loan from the bank, borrowed money from virtually everyone I knew. But the beauty of it is that even while doing this and while trying to, to start this whole thing, I was getting a really excellent job offers all the time. So my safety net was like, hey, even if this thing doesn't work, I'll always be able to find a very good job. You were in Tunisia. You've been based in Berlin. Is that where you set up the business initially? Yeah, I live in Berlin for seven years now, and I started a German company. Basically, you needed to do business to accept investment. Uh, you also wanted for the limited liability. I did that. Then I realized that this is quite hard on my own. So I was looking for ways to, let's say, uh, accelerate or develop the business with resources more than my own. And I looked for accelerators in Europe in this vertical, so digital health. And I found two. One of them was in Berlin. It was uh, Buyers Grants for Apps. And the second one was Rockstar Digital Health in the Netherlands. Well, we'll come on to the Rockstart Accelerator program in just a minute. I know you had a great experience there for six months. Right. But before we jump into that, just tell us a little bit about the startup environment and the innovation environment in Berlin. It's a city of art and creativity. Life is affordable here. Young people from all over the world come here to, to find jobs, to, to enjoy life. I think that's, these are some of the important ingredients for successful startups. And we're also noticing that there's a lot of capital flowing in the city. So experienced investors, big names, big funds. And um, you notice that the level of professionalism is, uh, is higher. So you and I met at Health 2.0 in Barcelona in about May of 2015. So I think it was just a few months after that that you found out about the Rockstart Accelerator program in the Netherlands. Tell us about that application process and uh, was, it, was it fairly straightforward to go through and did you find out very, fairly quickly about your status in the program? Uh, Martin, the program director, approached me at Health 2.0 in Barcelona and said, hey, 
we make, we're doing this program. Um, I think it's a good fit. You should, uh, you should apply. And I think this is how they did it with another 250 startups around the world, all in digital health. And, uh, yeah, so the selection process was very simple. Pre-selection from 250, 60, and then a series of uh, eight or nine Skype interviews. And from the 60, 25 are selected selected to go to Nijmegen for selection days and from the 25, 10 are kept. So um, it was quite smooth and even fast in a sense because when we got the final acceptance, we had four weeks to, uh, to arrange everything, the move, the, uh, the logistics. So it was, quite, uh, it was quite fast. So what was it like when you went through that? Because you've only recently gone through the demo day. So tell us what the sort of initial impact was like when you first got involved and the process that you went through for the next six months. It was, it was a very intense program. So they chose that region of the Netherlands because it's called Health Valley uh, as an analogy to Silicon Valley. There are 750 or so companies, large and small, active in health in that area, in the Netherlands. Hospitals, research institutes, pharmaceutical companies, semiconductor companies. The, the environment or the, the ecosystem is very, let me say, fertile and uh, positive and supportive. So we arrived there. It was a very intense first uh, four weeks for onboarding. And I must say, uh, the city is small, so it's not, uh, let's say, um, a word capital, but it was good for focus and no distractions. And we were, we were a cohort of 10 startups together, so we were very close. And we learned from each other at least as much as we learned from the mentors. And in the beginning, it was quite a dilemma because, hey, we had our business, we had our operations, we had our own roadmap. And then on top of this comes a program that keeps you more than busy. So it was quite a, there was quite a, an amount of friction in, uh, let's say, uh, reconciliating the program with our plans. And ultimately, I decided to make the, the program the priority and to, uh, to adjust our plans to it and not the other way around. So how has your business model changed since you initially started the business? So our focus, all 10 startups on the program, we're focusing on doing two things. De-risking, obviously, and decomplexing, because health can be such a complex, let's say, industry. Someone pays, but someone prescribes, but then someone else uses or, uh, and someone else gets the benefit insurers, hospitals, doctors, nurses, patients, pharma. So it's really, really complex. And you can get very easily lost in, in very complex constructions or constructs. So the first thing we did was to challenge our most basic assumptions. So everything we, we thought is, um, hey, this is casted in, let's say, in cement now. We questioned it to the core with the help of the uh, mentors, for example, the pricing, the, uh, the partnerships, the channels, even the features of a product, the positioning. So uh, our first feeling was to make MedAngel a premium product with a premium price and a very high margin. So we were thinking about a price point between 69 and $99 or euros, where this meant a complete different economics or business model than with a with a low price point. And after many back and forths and let's say a lot of 
deep thought and advice from the mentors, we decided that the better way to do this is to go very large volume and low price. So instead of um, going for the high margin and the pr premium product, go for the lowest price point possible and bring this to the biggest number of users. And uh, this is what we're doing now. I've known you for some time now, and I think that in the early days, I think you also had some concerns uh, or some questions around the regulatory requirements. So therefore, the margin obviously needs to be a bit higher to, to cover some of the regulatory investments that you need to make. Is that an accurate assessment? No, that's absolutely correct because, you know, digital health is still in its baby steps, right? So a few years ago, the people who were doing this are the absolute crazy pioneers. <laughs> there were very little apps and, let's say, connected medical devices and services. And now, uh, hey, now it's, uh, it's a very good uh, time. We're seeing a lot of innovation happening. And I think in a few years, it will be mainstream. But the problem was that many parties, many people, many organizations still are figuring out this. So... You'd think you go to the FDA or to an experienced consultant and they would give you a, an answer right away. But no, there, is a, there are many gray zones and it took us quite some time to make sure, hey, what we do doesn't require any special medical approval. What we do is a consumer electronic product. And of course, that uh, influences the, the economics for sure. Why don't you go ahead and describe what exactly the product is now? Because it's not just a piece of hardware. That is correct. So what we do is we call it a smart medication companion. It's made of a smart sensor that is connected to, to your phone. And you put it with your medications, let's say in a bag or in a cooling bag or in the fridge. And it continuously measures the temperature of the medication. And every time there is a problem, every time it approaches a high or low temperature point, you get an alarm on the phone. And our app has a lot of pharmaceutical know-how built in it. We have a built-in list of medications so that, hey, what if you can also go and get a sensor and it will tell you 7.5 degrees or 6.3. What does that really mean? In our case, you don't care about all these things. We completely abstract them for you. You, you just get the sensor. You select your medication in the app. You put the sensor with the medication and you just enjoy your peace of mind. And we're really focusing on this very first core value proposition now. We have a lot of projects and uh, features in the pipeline, but they say you chase two rabbits at once, you don't get any. So we, we're doing one thing, one simple thing, and we're doing it right, and we're do it, doing it in a very reliable way. Yeah, I saw your product at the demo day a few weeks ago in Nijmegen, and it's really beautiful. You've really done a great job iterating the hardware, but then the overall design for your company, the branding, the, the colors, the look, the simplicity of it, and the app. All of it's really beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've evolved as a business? Yeah, well, thanks for your kind words first. Yeah, we evolved a lot, I'd say. Let me, let me tell my favorite part of this. So we are working now on, on something called MedAngel Pro that is basically uh, the same solution, but for GP practices, for doctor practices, for medical fridges. And, uh, and we did this first as an experiment because every time I was talking about MedAngel to a doctor and telling them, hey, do your patients have this problem? Do, you, do they talk to you about this? And so on and so on. They say, yes. Wonderful. This is exactly what my patients need. I would recommend it to them. But I also would like one for my practice. And so how so? Yeah, we have a small fridge in the practice and we keep in it, let's say, flu shots and some other medications. And 
where there's a protocol, the nurse opens the fridge every day twice and reads the mercury thermometer and writes that on a piece of paper. And this is very, let's say, inefficient and it's distracting. So we'd like to have one medanger for our practice. And this conversation happened again and again and again, more than 30, 40 times, almost with every doctor. So we realized, okay, um, maybe we should solve this problem for the doctors as well. And uh, this is how Medanger Pro was born. Six or seven weeks ago, we started a test with um, a GP in Nijmegen. Um, we, we visited him in the practice. We, let, we left two sensors in their fridge. And we talked to them about what their needs, what they would like to um, achieve with it. And the proposition is very simple. We just free the nurse from uh, doing this protocol. A PDF is sent at the end of the month by email, so no action is required from the practice staff at all. And they get uh, a PDF at the end of the month by mail of the protocol of the, um, of the fridge. They print it, they put it in their compliance file, and they're happy. At the same time, if there's any problem, the nurses or the medical staff gets an alarm and they can save up to eight or $10,000 of flu shots if something happens. And once we, we made this proposition and started pushing it to, let's say, the medical staff, it's taken off by itself. It's taken off so, so well. We decided to put the consumer one on hold and focus on the pro uh, proposition. And hey, for us, it's excellent because we can go to the consumers and say, hey, doctors, your doctor is trusting this with their fridge. You should too. And uh, yeah, the, I think that's the main, the main uh, pivot or the main um, achievement we did in the last six months. Very uh, unpredicted, but completely unplanned. But, uh, but hey, this is where we are. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, obviously as you go out into the marketplace and you need to challenge those assumptions and, and test that market, I was wondering what other discoveries you made as you went through that formal process that I'm sure Rockstar put you through and that you just knew as a good practice. Can you give us an idea of what the pricing is going to be like? I know that obviously things might change at early stages, but you know, and, and this is going to go live in March 2016. So by the time someone's listening to this, the prices may have changed higher or lower, but depending on the market where they are. But can you give us any indication about what the model is going to be and what the initial outlay is going to be for someone who wants to use this? Yeah, so for the pro, it's very simple. We, we charge uh, a monthly fee for the doctors. We are uh, testing now with uh, 10 euros a month for one fridge or 18 for two fridges, and they're happy to pay up front. And for the consumer one, it's a bit trickier because it depends on the market, on user um, or on customer habits in, in every, single, every different market. So in the US and in the UK, people are accepting and even asking for recurring revenue, so subscription models, you come and say, hey, this is two pounds a, um, a month or three dollars a month, and uh, you, don't, you don't worry about anything. Um, you have lifelong warranty, you have lifelong battery supply. Every two years, you get a new sensor, you'll get all the um, extra services and features on top of that. This works very, very well in the US and the UK. Our experiments showed that. On continental Europe, it's a little bit different. So people are more inclined or uh, they prefer to, to pay once and take the thing home and uh, not bother about uh, recurring revenues. And this is, this is now changing, I must say, but it will take some time. So we're looking at a, a retail price between 19 and 29 euros uh, for continental Europe. 
tell me a little bit about your team because it's not just you who's involved with this now. I, I met a few of the people that you're working with at the demo day. Who else is involved with the, the company right now? Yeah, so right now we are, uh, let's say, five people, but not everyone is doing this full-time. We have a part-time pharmacist who's taking care of the whole uh, scientific and legal stuff and making sure that our app uh, properly supports um, every medication. Um, We have a designer uh, who takes care of the app design, of everything related to product, user interviews, um, let's say taking the learnings we have from um, from the users and incorporating them in the product. Then there are two developers on a freelance basis. One of them is uh, full time doing the uh, Android app uh, right now for the pro and the consumer, and the other one is doing work on the back end. So yeah, we're a team of five and. We're raising a, a seed round to expand and reach a headcount of 12 or 11. Let's talk about that. Tell us what your funding requirements are going to be. And for those who might be listening and interested in helping to back your business, what, what is it that you're looking for and how are you going to use that money? We are now raising a, a seed round of 500,000 euros and it's going quite well. But because uh, I know it will take a few months to, to see money on the bank, uh, we are raising a, a bridge fund, a bridge round. And uh, from the 50K um, bridging round, I have 20 committed and looking for another 30. But the goal is to, to get the 500,000 uh, seed round before, before summer. And commercially, is the product available? You mentioned that you've got this out in a few sites in the Netherlands. Can you tell us about the commercialization of the product and how you plan to roll it out? The first orders are from GPs in the Netherlands, here and there, who found us through some events or online. And then there is a hospital in Sierra Leone who, who will be using five uh, units for, for their pharmacy, for their uh, operating room, fridge. So it's quite, the stakes are really, are really high there. So we're really uh, doing um, our best to deliver the best possible product. But also on the commercial side, I must say we are um, a seasonal product. The awareness and the feel for this, uh, the perception for this problem raises with the, with the temperatures, right? Temperatures start to raise and people think, okay, I'll be traveling now. The weather is hot. This is when they look for something like this. So our goal is to be on the market before the uh, holiday season, so before summer. And for that, we'll be, uh, we will launch another Kickstarter campaign right before the first uh, heat wave in summer. And it will basically be a bundle of a medical cool bag and, uh, and our sensor. And we call it, uh, let's say, uh, it's, it's a smart cool bag um, that helps you keep your medication safe while you travel. And you have kind of a gauge to know how much time you still have left. And uh, you, it, it allows people to travel with absolute peace of mind. And just for clarity, you could have more than one of these devices, right? You can have one in your cool bag, you can have one in your fridge at home, you can have one at different places, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. In the app, we support up to three because we don't think that anyone will need more than three. The Pro app uh, supports more. I personally need two, one in my fridge and one in my bag uh, I carry with me, and that's, uh, that's basically it. So the product's going to be available before summer. You're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign. I understand you put together a special code uh, for the listeners to be able to receive a discounted price on the product. Is that right? 
That, that's correct. Uh, if someone is listening and they have this problem or they'd like to uh, get it for someone they, they care about, we'll make uh, a discount code available to your audience. And I think they can, uh, they can just uh, leave their email address in the, in the field under this, uh, this podcast and they will get the, uh, the discount code and they can order uh, once it's, uh, it's available. Excellent. So thanks very much for that. I, I'll make sure that all that information is contained in the show notes and Hopefully, a lot of our listeners will take advantage of this opportunity to utilize this. From a digital health community standpoint, you know we're all listening to this. We have uh, clinicians, we have investors, we have uh, entrepreneurs and engineers and designers listening to this podcast. What is it that you need right now as you're growing this business and looking for new opportunities? What can the, the health, digital health community do to help support you and your mission? Definitely, as I mentioned, 500 thousand euros seed round that's what we're raising if anyone who's listening to this is interested please get in touch with me we're also hiring so one senior salesperson in based in europe for the whole b2b thing because we have a lot of leads and partnerships in the in the pipeline with uh, with industry and uh, we need someone who who's experienced uh, and who's well networked to to take care of that channels. So if anyone is listening and they believe they have access or they have the possibility of pushing this to people who need it most, I'd be happy to to, to discuss this. Let's say both the pro uh, version and uh, and the consumer version. But also something is, is happening the last couple of weeks and it's very interesting. Just basically people from the medical or the health scene and industry, they come to us and say, hey, I have another use case for you. So we realize that, hey, temperature is the most measured physical variable on earth, but there is so much still to do, especially in this field. So I'm really happy and open to to discuss with anyone who, who believe that our technology can help them solve their problem. And, and how can people get in touch with you, I mean? Um, well, very simple. Uh, madanger.co. All the contact info is there. And I receive and read everything, so just uh, don't hesitate. That's great. I'm going to go into a short lightning round. I mean, first of all, why did you choose to focus on health and wellness? As I said, it was quite an accident for me, so I didn't really plan it. But now that I'm in it, I'm really enjoying it because, hey, you make an impact. You make people's lives better, easier, less stressful. And it's very rewarding, so I like it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Probably two. So first, uh, what do you have to lose? I don't think uh, we have much to lose if, uh, if we fail. I think the perception of failure is, is bigger or the fear of failure is bigger than the actual result after that. So, hey, just... Just do it. And the second one is, uh, and this is a funny one because, hey, you're putting a lot of time and energy and effort and pain into making something happen. And sometimes you can think, I'll be modest about this and not go conquer the world. But the difference in the input you give, the difference in, in what you put in it between making something modest and something really big and great is very minimal. So if you're going to do something, just go big. If you could recommend one book, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a very hard one, but let's keep it to this context. Let's say uh, Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. A very, very good book because all the management and entrepreneurship and business books, they're written to tell you how to not screw up, how to make things clean and perfect and uh, work. But the truth is, 
in the first week you'll start making mistakes and nobody will tell you what to do when, when you start making mistakes and what choices to take when there are no easy choices or no good choices. And that book was the first one I read that, that visited this aspect of, of being an entrepreneur um, and a CEO. And I highly, highly recommend it. Great. Well, we'll have that link in the show notes as well so people can pick up that book. What technology resource, tool, or app do you highly recommend? This can be, obviously, the MedAngel product is, is high on the list. But aside from that, what do you use to manage your life or to manage your team? Yeah, for the team, we have now, uh, uh, we use Slack, which, is, uh, which became the key or the main uh, communication channel for us. We have it integrated with GitHub, with uh, our consumer support uh, platforms, with basically everything. So Slack is the one highway of our business and everything links to it. The last thing, in appreciation of your participation in this podcast, we're going to make a donation to a charity of your choice. What charity have you chosen? And tell us a little bit about it. I'll have to go with JDRF. It's an organization that is, let's say, militating or fighting to create a world without type 1 diabetes, so juvenile diabetes. And they fund research and uh, they do a lot of advocacy and support. So if you can do that with JDRF, I'd be really happy. Absolutely. Happy to do that. I thought that that organization or one like it might be your choice and happy to help support that. I think that giving back is a key piece of any business and we want to establish that as a part of this podcast that we can help pass along the the good work that that you're doing and help to impact uh, charities who are working to do the good work that they're doing. Sweet. I mean, thank you very much for participating in this podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Pleasure was mine, Dan. Uh, I wish you all the best, and uh, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Amin Zayani, the CEO and founder of MedAngel. You can find their website at medangel.co. That's medangel.co. It's a simple solution, but one that can help prevent medications from becoming ineffective and thrown away. You heard Amin talk about his great experience at Rockstart Health. That's a six-month accelerator program that takes place in Nijmegen in the Netherlands. Well, they're opening for applications. If you'd like to apply to be a part of their next program and experience all they have to offer, their mentorship, their access to the investor network, their strong validation opportunities, office space, and personal team development, you can find the link to apply in the show notes. In fact, you can access all the show notes, including the link to the Ben Horowitz book that Amin mentioned as well as the charity that Amin chose, by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com slash two. While you're there, be sure to click the link and put in your email address to receive the discount code and notification when you can purchase the MedAngel product. Next up, in episode three, we feature Stuart Carton of Carton Design from Marina Del Rey, California, where he shares his insights as a product designer bridging both consumer and healthcare products for the past 30 years. To make sure you don't miss an episode, make sure you subscribe through iTunes or Stitcher And while you're there, please take a minute to rate the show. Until next time, keep on innovating. So long for now.